Oh, I like this beat. I haven't heard this in a long time. With the little whistle. It's a nice tune. Dun, 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 dun. All right, Will, what do you got for me today, sir? Let's see here. Oh, yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of... We haven't talked about Elon Musk in a while, and he had a pretty hot tweet today. Mm -hmm. A heat tweet. Hot tweet. Hot take. So I noticed that it was part of... It was actually kind of part of a series. Man, this even took off further since it was posted. That has 110,000 likes. Just three hours ago. Jeez Louise. And 11,000 retweets. And uh, what, like, uh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. See, these stats, this is what bugs me about Twitter. The stats change once you clicked on it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's got a lot of action on it. It says Apple App Store fees are a de facto global tax on the internet. Epic is right. Just straight for the jugular. Mm Mm-hmm. Holy moly. There's no nuance in that tweet. He's just straight up. This got picked up by the Apple News sites, as it would, because Elon's an influential guy, 50 million followers, got a little car company, and appears to be really solidly on Epic's side. And, and, and that matters because, uh, well, this is an ongoing battle. And uh, there's potential influence that takes place here. Of course, there's still a court case and everything going on. But what I noticed was that maybe there could be uh, some harboring of some resentment in general. I mean, I'm just speculating, right? I don't know. Don't talk to these people, Will. Yeah. I come come over here. Mm -hmm. This is an empty coffee cup. Sure is. This is a OnePlus Nord 2. I'm just touching things that are on the table, and I just got this iPad here to pretend that I'm working. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the prop. But uh, you've heard this story in the past that Elon has tried to get in touch with Tim Cook and has never gotten a response, Mm -hmm. which uh, that can turn people sideways. They don't, they don't, I, I personally don't think it's that big of a deal uh i just think sometimes that's the way it goes but there was this post by mark german and uh, he was i guess it was a piece of 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 a book the wall street journal reporter tim higgins is that right yeah what was the name of the book power play Upcoming book, Power Play, Tesla, Elon Musk, and the Bet of the Century by Wall Street Journal reporter Tim Higgins. This is the name of the book. Anyway, in the book, it says that Apple CEO Tim Cook called Musk to propose acquiring the electric car maker, which was struggling financially. This never happened, according to Elon. Mm -hmm. And in the past, he's already talked about this. He says this never happened. I tried to get in touch with Tim about potentially acquiring Tesla. And he never got back to me Mm. and I never spoke to him. So he's saying this thing is flipped, but he's already spoke on it in the past. So why feel a need to update unless you still, um, I mean, maybe you just want to clarify or maybe you 
are still thinking about how things didn't didn't go the way you wanted or maybe you're trying to rub it in and here's the reason i say that is because if you click the x button right there you'll see the reply from elon to this post from mark german or this uh, quote from this book you guys scroll down a little bit uh wait, wait a second no you don't where's his reply just go to elon's uh, tweets and replies oh yeah you're out of control here there you go he says cook and i have never spoken or written this is today this is just moments before the hot tweet about uh epic being right he says cook and i have never spoken or written to each other ever there was a point where i requested to meet with cook to talk about apple buying tesla there were no conditions of acquisition proposed whatsoever okay fine we're fine here you have now clarified, but this next line to me is an indication of the position. Trouble in the waters? This is the position here. Hmm. This is the personal element because we're all humans here. Even Elon Musk, believe it or not. He goes, he refused to meet. Tesla was worth about 6% of, its, of today's value. So that's the, oh, we're people. We're people. We're all people. You're a person, Will. I don't know if you knew that with emotions exactly mm. and you you sit there and you say to yourself why do you need that line i mean i guess it's context i guess it's important uh the the, the it helps add some texture but what it really says is he's an idiot <laughs> it really says yeah you could have tesla yeah. for six cents on a dollar timmy and you didn't take my call yeah and i was ready for that now, was would that have been what ha had happened, or or is this a hindsight situation where, uh, you know, maybe Elon would have uh, drove a hard bargain had the conversation ever came to be? Mm -hmm. But either way, for me, those two tweets coming in succession leads me to believe that he's looking a little closer at Apple right now and not feeling all too favorable. Right. About Apple in general right now. Now, there's obviously a massive split on this show. I've tried to cover both sides of the argument, the App Store argument. Um, Epic's position, Apple's position. They build and maintain the App Store, supposedly keep it safe. I don't know. I don't typically have problems. Epic says, hey, wait a minute. Uh, your footprint is so huge. Uh, this Apple tax right here is is de facto. Elon agrees. Mm -hmm. and it's going to be hard for all types of companies to do business without existing on your platform, and uh, we think you need to adjust it, and we don't, and they didn't want to negotiate personally. They wanted it to change across the board is the way it seems, but now they're battling it out in court, and, and we have just dis discovered which side of it Elon is on, and he's apparently prepared to push some weight around on the subject. Mm -hmm. Epic is right. <clears throat> It's a very strong statement. Yeah. I mean, and, and the public, the public sentiment matters here because both these companies are still uh, actively trying to sell you something. Yes. A Apple is still. Even Elon. Even Elon. Yeah. They're all, all, all parties are trying to sell you things. So they really want you to be on their team. And if you were, let's say, team Elon or team Tesla, and then you see the team Tesla happens to be team Epic, you're like, yeah, I might be on team Epic too. And I don't want that uh, iPhone anymore, or or vice versa. You could say, "Sick of your stuff, Elon." 
yeah. like happened with crypto. And so if you're an Apple fan, you'd be like, Elon, you're out of touch. You don't understand the complexity here. This is exactly like uh, what is one of the top comments. It's like having a mall and you pay rent to be in the mall and then you maintain the mall. What's wrong, Elon? You don't get it. Wow. That's the other side of it. Yeah. I, I also feel like um, Epic might feature Elon in some sort of a Fortnite collab. Wait a second. In the future. Do, do they work together in any way? No. With, uh, you're sure with the engine there? With the engine? Un Unreal? They don't, uh, none of that is in their car interface in any way? No. No, no, no. Not their UI. Willie do, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, Epic is working with more and more automotive brands. Sure, yes. So. They're, they're creating a framework. Willie do. Uh, their infotainment system. Willie but do. it'll be nice to maybe see a Cybertruck in Fortnite or Elon as some sort of boss mm. or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's always been a thing that I've noticed as far as Tesla goes. There, uh, I mean, obviously there's Google services and things. You have Google Maps in there, but uh, it has never had things like Android Auto or right. Apple CarPlay. There's never been that interactivity. Right, yeah. And kind of a reluctance to... They uh, might have something, you know, some sort of collaboration back there. Like, isn't he, as far as billionaires go, it seems... Well, I guess none of these billionaires really get along all that well. They all kind of... Are infringing on what they're all competing it's hard to tell sure yeah but as far as billionaires go he seems to be i guess he's friends with branson i saw a uh, photo of that and he i mean a long time ago he met with bezos but it is it is it, it, how do you feel about the fact that him and tim cook never spoke do you feel like that is a thing they should do or need to do or they should leave it that way i feel like they they should have Mm -hmm. These are like the titans of industry. Like they can both in tech affect some pretty massive change, and if they yeah. could somehow work together, but it's but interesting. They haven't crossed paths because they also don't currently have products that are overlapping. So no, from, not so yet. From that sense, it could, not yet. What do you know, Will? Uh, didn't the Tesla have like a battery pack for charging phones. <laughs> I mean, there's a crossover there. No, no, no. It's it's obviously the fact that Apple is nuanced. probably going to do a car. That's the key. Sure, yeah. Thing there, but anyway, on to the next one. What do you got next? All right. Thanks to today's sponsor, Purple. Uh, maybe you've heard of these guys. They got all kinds of special technology inside the mattress. Uh, sleep is important, Will. And sometimes it can be hard to get that sleep, mm -hmm. especially this time of year. It could be because it's a little warmer than usual out. There could be uh, nocturnal animals that you are having to listen to this time of year. Mm -hmm. Raccoons and such. I don't know. I'm one myself. You, you might be one yourself. That's right. Uh -huh. They keep you up and then you stay up and then you change your whole habit. Well, uh, you don't need to be doing that because you could upgrade your stuff here. It could be the purple mattress, or it could be the, the purple pillow as well, which they're going to be sending us so we can examine their grid technology. That's because only purple mattresses have the grid. It is a unique ventilated design that allows air to flow through to help you sleep cool. That's a problem I have, man. I can't be hot. I can't get that good, good night's sleep if, if I'm too hot. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. 
uh, even if it feels like it's a thousand degrees outside and the grid is amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck and hips, no matter how you sleep. I feel like I'm ready for a nap right now. Uh, unlike memory foam, which remembers everything, the grid bounces back as you move and shift. So you never get that. I'm stuck feeling that you might with memory foam. Purple is comfort reinvented. Right now, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash later and use the promo code later. That's purple.com slash later. promo code later for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash later. promo code later. And our next sponsor is Blenders. These are shades that you order online. They got all kinds of of designs fresh from san diego california comes the only sunglass brand that i'm ever gonna wear again that's what it says right here i don't know if i can personally make that guarantee but we'll see because i'm still awaiting this package to arrive as well mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be throwing these on they got some innovative designs they got the hot new looks and they got something that actually caught my attention on there this call uh this sunglass called float 2 the their first floating sunglasses because i've been at the lake a few times and i've been known to get out there mm -hmm. and i was on the sea do and i actually lost the hat the glasses stayed on but you can imagine they fall off you don't want to go losing your glasses no no so that's a cool way around that chase fisher started blenders by selling his beachy shades out of a backpack while doubling as a surf instructor on pacific beach his goal is to create an adventurous mid-priced eyewear option with the same cool factor as other leading styles, unlike expensive big brand shades that you've probably lost or smashed in the past, blenders are actually affordable, so you're not going to cry as much when the inevitable happens. You can score 15% off your blenders purchase. Visit blenderseyewear.com and enter promo code LULATERVIP. That's blenderseyewear.com code LULATERVIP for 15% off blenders rocked with pride worldwide thank you to blenders oh good new york times oh steve jobs 1973 job application auctions for a record amount uh-huh so this um application has been passed around um in auctions but yeah. this one seems to be like bought with the highest in terms i feel of, like uh, we i feel like i've seen this thing we talked about it too so it the person who bought it the last time around has already re-auctioned re it. it. Yeah. That's incredible. For even more, they've made a profit. And now there's an NFT version of, of it. Of course there is. Um, which sold for 23000 US. An NFT version of it. So it's not... Hmm. It's uh, a digitized version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. got you. So he originally, he paid 222000 and has already flipped it for for 343 mm -hmm. the latest auction took place online closed wednesday july 28th jobs filled out a one, uh, the one-page application by hand when he was 18 years old three years before he co-founded apple with friend steve wozniak and tech businessman ronald wayne the position that he was seeking isn't shown on the form but considering what he went on to do and the fact that the application lists electronics tech and design engineer as special abilities and interests along with computer and calculator for experience. Mm -hmm. We can assume it was tech-related job that he was applying for. It's filled out in pen. Look at the writing as well. Is that cursive? <laughs> yes, it's cursive. That's incredible. A rarity nowadays. That's incredible. Cool. 
it's a lot of money for a piece of paper, but hey, man, there's never going to be another one. Not, yeah. not quite like that, right? Yeah. So did well, you hear about this? Smart, we talked about it, right? Smartphone for Snapdragon insiders. This is a Qualcomm phone. You can pre-order it now. 1,500 bigs? Yeah. What do you think? That's a couple of dollars, man. So hang on a second. You're acting like I'm supposed to know about this. You're acting like I'm like I have a tech channel on YouTube yeah. that I've been doing for a decade. No, I do vaguely remember vaguely, this. Yeah. So it's to their spec. It's like almost uh, like when Google had the Nexus program. This uh -huh. is Qualcomm's ideal sure. setup. Set yeah, where they would call the shots. And I'm guessing Asus is the manufacturer. Right. Well, you're not uh, guessing it's on their store there. Yeah. So. No yeah. guess necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Okay. 6.7 inch display, 7.8, which is going to be 2448 by 1080, 144 hertz. So it's the gaming phone, Samsung AMOLED. Mm -hmm. So they're taking the, the ROG 5, is it? Is the latest one? Mm -hmm. ROG Phone 5. Anyway, whatever. They're taking the latest ROG phone and stripping the gaming styling out of it but the spec looks the same 144 hertz 16 gigs of ram the snapdragon triple eight 512 storage sony imx 686 sensor uh, ultra wide with the imx 363 so is the software going to be different as well that's what i'm trying to figure out i don't think so i think qualcomm just decided to make their own phone this is very interesting pre-order ends in 28 days it comes with those buds mm -hmm. those earbuds and it's got this nice kind of dark um blue to it now the fingerprint scanner on the rear there that's not on the gaming phone no so there have been there are some hardware changes here do you does it have that big snapdragon logo on the back that's a bit much no um well, they got to advertise somehow. This is, uh, right. I am very interested. I'm, yeah, we I'm, should check I'm it quite out. quite captivated. Well, the price, I, I, I definitely think uh, it, it's uh, not a competition. I just think it's just so outrageous. It's very, I'm so curious what they think they're going to do here as far as uh, volume is concerned. Are they mm -hmm. trying to make like a thousand of these and that's it? Is it? The Snapdragon Insider phone. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Send us one, Qualcomm. I need to know more here. <clears throat> Huawei launches new smartphones without 5G as U.S. sanctions and chip shortage bite. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, of course we know that they've had trouble securing components because of these sanctions, but... They were like this 5G leader. Huawei on Thursday launched its new P50 and P50 Pro smartphones without support for super fast 5G internet. What? Mm -hmm. 5G phones are beyond our reach due to U.S. trade restrictions. Huawei's Richard Yu said. What? Yeah, it's unfortunate because it seems like a powerhouse of a phone too. The Chinese tech giant grapples with both U.S. sanctions and a global chips, chip shortage. Okay, so that might have be some contributing element. The company's launching two models, the P50 and the more expensive P50 Pro. 
And that's, yeah, obviously that's typically their flagship. This is the one with the huge stovetop camera cutouts. The two burners. On the back, 50 megapixel sensor, 40 megapixel monochrome lens, and a 13 megapixel super wide angle lens. Uh-huh. Jeez. 64 megapixel telephoto capable of 3.5 times optical. Unbelievable. With uh, Harmony OS, obviously. It will be coming with a 4G chipset from Qualcomm. I mean, that's how can you buy it? Especially, okay, let's say you're not going to get it. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get it in North America, but let's say you're in China and you're a Huawei fan and you've been buying their flagships for years, but the 5G um, penetration in China is massive. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and they have the hardware to support 5G, yeah, obviously. That's what, oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 5G is an even bigger deal in China, and Huawei has been hanging in there domestically. But if if they can't, if they don't have 5G, how are you going to drop flagship money on a phone, even domestically, even if you're okay with Harmony OS, even if you don't need mm-hmm. uh, Android and Google services? That's yeah. a tough pitch, man. It's such a major blow. Because we we've tested the P series Huawei phones and they're for great. years, yeah, yeah, many years. Interesting times. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how this plays out. Did these sanctions expire at some point? Our products still maintain the ultimate performance. Only a very small drop in speed will be experienced, almost negligible. Well. <laughs> Well, you can't stream the Olympics and, in your uh, hey car man, in 4K. Hey, man. Hey, man. Um, well, it's it's counter, right? Because Huawei forever was saying, we need to be in all these different countries because 5G is the future. Mm-hmm. 5G is a big deal. We need a, you, you need us to be in there with the antennas and so forth so that you're 5G ready. Mm-hmm. And then things obviously went the other way, and now they got to make the case, ah, 5G is not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's negligible. Uh, Huawei is, is a global leader in 5G technology and in communication technology because of the four rounds of U.S. restrictions over the past two years or so. 5G phones are beyond our reach. As a, man, what this really illustrates is how connected the tech industry is. And even when you're a seller of technologies, including 5G capable devices, you're still required to have so many external relationships with companies from other countries and mm-hmm. governments can can uh, change that. Yeah. And can, can limit those relationships. And it's very difficult to exist out here on an island. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. I don't mean an actual geographical island, sure. obviously. Dark mode might not be a silver bullet for improved battery life. This, uh, this study suggests that you're only really saving plenty of power if you're switching from light mode at 100% brightness. I feel like this story is for you. Because I'm dark mode? No, you always like to put 100% brightness. Oh, yeah, I'm always 100% brightness. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's I'm in a pitch black room, then sure. I'm not at 100% brightness. Um, so the the best effect that dark mode is going to have is if you're at max brightness Mm -hmm. researchers found that switching to dark mode from low to mid brightness only yielded between three to nine percent savings yeah that's nothing that's not worth it i mean you might like the look of dark mode but Mm -hmm. 
efficiency is not going to be that great. You know, this this show is dark mode as well. It is, yeah. With, you don't even need to switch into dark mode. You're so you, saving a lot of money. If you like to watch full blast like I do, yeah, go for it because this is tailor-made for your energy savings on dark. However, a new study by Purdue University researchers has shown that switching to dark mode might not make a big difference for power consumption with typical usage. Researchers looked at six apps, Calculator, Google Calendar, Google Maps, Google News, Google Phone, and YouTube. Using their new tool called a per-frame OLED power profiler. Cool. The team found that many consumers use auto brightness settings, keeping the brightness around 30 to 40% when indoors. How dare you? But it, but That's so, normal. How dare you? You got this beautiful OLED screen, you got it, and you're not even burning your own retinas? Yeah. Get out of here. So what's the effect if you are at high brightness? Okay, here we go. If you're at 100% brightness and you switch to dark mode, you could save 39 to 47% of battery. Yeah, so, Lou. I'm a dark mode guy then. I need it because I'm I'm always cooking the brightness, man. Yeah. I'm fully cooked on the brightness. If you're like that, then you better get that dark mode going. Listen, it, it looks great when it's 100% brightness, but uh, save some battery. Honestly, it's probably worse for you in the long run, too. Yeah, the, the, I, the, I hear that you. max brightness, especially, like I said, if you don't have any ambient light. Uh-huh. Um, but outdoors, you, you kind of need it at different times. So. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Nice little study. Here's a sneak peek at the Ford F-150 Lightning's flashy dashboard screen and digital animations. Is this not something we saw in our video? Um, well, yeah, they're, they're just really refining the whole oh, yeah. um, battery distribution, letting the user know That's cool. um, how the power is distributed. So there's a couple animations here. I saw, so the one that you had at the top, we had Mo jumping in the bed to try to increase the weight, but it wasn't really that much. Yeah. We could see it fluctuating ever so slightly. So to see them put, I don't know, whatever that was, 3,000 pounds, that was cool. And also tow capacity as well. And so at least it gives the user like an understanding of where that power is being uh, put into. Mm-hmm. So in here, it's the driving modes as well. So you can pick and then it would show you um, like how much uh, energy is going to get burned. Yep. Oh, and I, I like how the when you change the big display, the theme also changes on the smaller display behind the steering wheel. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And this is hauling uh, like a payload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at this all the way up to 3,000 pounds over here. Yeah. And you see how your range obviously adjusts as you approach maximum capacity. Yeah, these are this is cool. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe Epic's involved. <laughs> yeah. With Unreal. That's right. And this is the last one with the uh lights. Oh, that's cool. I don't think we saw that. I don't think I got to that point in the menu in the mm -hmm. uh, in the video. That's nice. Sometimes you hit a switch for a light and you're not sure. Like if you have, uh, I, I like having physical switches for certain things. Yeah. But sometimes you leave a light on or you're, you're not certain which one you're turning on. So seeing that, that animation there is useful. Yeah. And then I guess this last one with uh, powering your house mm -hmm. tells you how much uh, power is being, you know, taken out. Of and, the car. And, then, and then also the reserve, maintaining a reserve so you can still drive away if you need to. Yeah. Don't use all the truck's power. 
house. How dare you, house? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's kind of cool that it has uh, this kind of uh, detail. Mm. And it's in an aesthetic manner, too. I, I'll, I'll tell you something since you brought up the F-150 Lightning. In my, uh, in my life, in my regular life, a lot of people ask me about this truck. Oh, yeah? Wh- whether they saw the video or not, they say, what about the F-150 Lightning? Should I pick that up? I would say right now it's and maybe because it was in the studio and it's not like we had a cyber truck or um, the Hummer, which is coming. I'm sure we'll, we'll have it at some point, but, but I'm getting, a, I'm just saying it. I'm getting a lot of questions about the F-150 Lightning, whatever that, that means to you. Is that your favorite EV you would say? Uh, no, I don't think I would say that. I think, no? I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of customers. Mm. Like, I think at least the sentiment I'm hearing right now from people is uh, I f- it seems to be capable of converting people mm-hmm. that are on the fence. It seems to be uh, a low friction transition because it's just so familiar. It's like right. F-150. I know what that is. And then it's lightning because it's electric. I know what that is. Yeah, that's fine. We can do that. Definitely has a lineage yeah and a dna it, there's a comfort to it it's like yes. when you, if you roll into some unfamiliar place and then you see the franchises that you recognize like, ah, and you're like well of relief. at least that's there yeah. so something familiar tesla agrees to pay 1.5 million to settle a battery throttling lawsuit mm-hmm. 625 dollars per vehicle owner what is this? So they were doing this to do for what purpose? Uh, the software update, which was released in 2019, resulted in slower charging speed and diminished range for around 1,743 vehicles, the plaintiffs alleged. This amount is many times the prorated value of the temporary reduced maximum voltage. So they, these people were having a slower charge mm-hmm. uh, and a diminished range. Lawyers for the owner said they conducted an investigation that found the voltage limitation was temporary. Huh. 10% reduction. wonder how these people notice and keep good track of that. I guess with routine. Hmm. Charging, driving to work, same route every day. Then you had a corrective update released in March. The second update, the vehicle's voltage showed steady restoration over time. So it wasn't a hardware related issue it was something to do with the uh, the software update that's very interesting mm-hmm. i guess it's happened in the past too i mean you really wonder is it just an optimization thing where uh, they're making these tweaks because it's kind of like how apple was doing it at one point remember mm-hmm. on older phones mm-hmm. they were having the thing shut down instead they were prioritizing performance over battery life yeah. You wonder if there's some aspect of that, but can, customers always get upset because they're like, well, if that's what you're doing, then tell me that's what, give me an option. Yeah, I think the main thing is transparency. Here yeah, absolutely. Before uh, optimization. <clears throat> Tesla Model 3 versus the Rivals, 10, wow, 10 EVs. You got to get it up, give it up to this guy. He actually did it. Do what, this real world test. What car on YouTube got 10 EVs head to head to see which would go the furthest. And some of these I don't even haven't even seen before. Uh-huh. I guess this dude's in Europe. I'm, I, 
No, maybe not. Uh, what do we got? Okay, we got the Mustang Mach-E. Well, I, I've actually seen a few of those on the road recently. Oh, yeah? Uh, the Tesla Model 3, the Porsche Taycan. I guess just the plain Taycan. The Audi Q4 e-tron. Kia e-Niro. e-Niro. Volkswagen ID3. Renault Zoe. Skoda Enyaq. Look at these names. Like, I'm just trying to pronounce. Fiat 500 Electric and Mazda MX-30. Do you say Mazda or Mazda? I say Mazda. Mm -hmm. But uh... So, I guess in the left column is the uh, suggested range from the manufacturer. Yes. And then in the right the co column, range. he's going to find out. Now, why is it that he left out a Model S, which seems like an obvious one that you would have there? I guess... Cost? Probably oh, the, cost. they couldn't get it. He's like, I got 10 cars. <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. I got he, 10 he cars. He tried his best, but uh, the results are, I would say, pretty typical. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so the Mustang Mach-E Mach claimed 379, but he ended up getting 302. In, but then in the case of the Tesla Model 3, with a smaller battery, by the way, mm-hmm. It was more efficient by the looks of it. I don't mm -hmm. know why he had to use the blue font there because I can barely see that. Uh, 284. Oh. 284. Uh, okay, so that's still well below the claimed range of 360. This is some real world stuff. The Porsche Taycan was closer. Mm -hmm. 290 was the claim and it landed at 281. So some of them are closer to the claims, but sure. the overall... Uh, range champ as tested was the Mustang Mach-E mm -hmm. with a much bigger battery. So that's important to note the miles per kilowatt sure. hour. He has it listed there as well. But so the, the biggest battery there won, not a huge surprise. Mm -hmm. um, on one note, the, te the Model 3 actually did really well in terms of sustaining that battery power. So um, even when like things are, are on on the car, like air conditioning, like uh -huh. it was constant. There was no like alert saying like, hey, this is, you need to slow down on, you know, some of these features, like turn them off kind of thing. Right. Well, I assume though in his test, he would have been using similar elements in all of the cars to make it fair. Yeah. So he would be using air conditioning in all of them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what does this really illustrate? How far off the claims are versus real world? Mm -hmm. And how big of a role conditions and human drivers can play in something like this. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you might, if you're banking on almost 400 miles of range and then you get 300, like that's something you're going to want to know. Mm -hmm. So, PS5 gets high speed M.2 SSD storage support in new beta system software. Oh. Compatible drives need to meet stringent physical and technical guidelines mm -hmm. for probably heat dissipation and sure. performance to launch games and so on. Seagate says it's Fire Cuda 530 M.2 drive will work with the PS5. So you're going to get a whole, um, uh, you're going to get a whole bunch of manufacturers now making PlayStation 5 specific M.2s that yep. so you don't as a customer don't have to wonder if yours is going to be is going to work or not. Mm -hmm. New PlayStation 5 system software rolling out in beta today unlocks the long promised ability to expand the system's 
667 gigs of usable internal storage. Using M.2 SSDs that fit certain technical and physical requirements listed on the new PlayStation support page, new system software supports 22mm wide M.2 drives using the PCIe Gen 4 standard single or double-sided drives with storage sizes ranging from 250 gigabytes to 4 terabytes should work with the console. The drives are going to have to have a sequ sequential read speed of at least 5,500 megabytes per second. But, play but Sony warns that even then, not all games are necessarily playable with the exact same performance provided by the PS5 console's internal ultra-high-speed SSD. Interesting. Mm-hmm. To like, don't get carried away. We still got better stuff inside. Yeah, just a warning to third parties. Well, I think the third part, what the third parties need to do is to start certifying the, the, the stuff that can meet the stringent criteria for performance across all games. And then the customer doesn't have to try to figure it out on their own. And once they go install it, they don't have to be moving games from one drive to the other in order to play them. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a nightmare. I'll tell you what, four terabyte PlayStation incoming, that's kind of cool. It's a lot of games, well. Yeah, it's not bad. You like games. I do. You you played uh, uh you played uh, Ratchet. You were playing Ratchet and Clank. It's a great game. Fun. Yeah. Actually at my place the boys started playing a little bit. Uh I didn't get a chance to pick up the controller yet, but it's a lot Which of it, one? Ratchet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember they told you to bring it, remember? Oh, right, right. They, they, I mean, I don't know how far they got into it yet, but um, it's like a cool-looking game. Yeah. yeah, it's like a Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cool-looking game. It's, uh, very well done. Good job. <laughs> Ooh, what you got here, Will? I mean, this is just like uh, a picture. I don't even see the headline yet. I guess that's the new Intel NUC. NUC. Yeah, that supports a full-size GPU. And we have this in studio, right? Yeah, we should check it out. I it, think it's kind of cool. Well, you've been running a NUC for this entire show for like a year, maybe more? Way more. Oh. Like back in the old studio. I apologize. Too. Jeez. A couple of live streams. You stared <laughs> me down, man. You you, you you tried to look right through my skull there. You were just like, more. Oh, yeah. More than a year. Dare you not recognize how long we've been doing this for. Well, I appreciate the NUC for what it is. Same. You know, it's done us really well in our journey and through YouTube. It's also just amazing the amount of performance you can get out of something tiny, like nowadays. Yes. Uh -huh. And we're all, we've always been junkies for Thunderbolt connections. Yes. And this, uh, in Intel's NUC lineup always supports it. But this is a nice little article uh, written by The Verge yes. about the comparison between the old one and the new one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they measure the size of it in liters. They're like, this is an eight liter <laughs> yeah. gaming PC. Eight <laughs> liters of jello in there. <laughs> because you really, you're curious about the volume, truly. Sure. Yeah, there's, these things are so efficient. It's, it's wild how they map it out, build it out so that you can put a full-size GPU in there. Mm -hmm. It's out of control. So the ones that we have have, uh, oh, okay. Oh, it will fit the full-length card. This one's a 3080 card. Um, the long one. The long one. What's yeah. the short one? A thirty sixty or seventy? Uh, the sixty i thirty eighty ti versus a thirty sixty. A thirty sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So the one we have over here has a thirty sixty in it. Yes. 
How about the one you've been using right now? That one I think is a 2080 28. Oh, okay. Or 2070 Ti. 2070? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you've been running that forever and no heat problems, nothing. Sometimes it would have like a little tiny fire on top, but... Uh, just a little warning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's done well for what it is. Uh, I was just joking about the fire. Really? I was taking you seriously there? No. no. You no never, you know, no smoke smells or nothing like that? Mm-mm. That's incredible. Solid. It's so, great. obviously the new one, new generation stuff in it. Um, it lights up as well. Yeah, it looks different. What do you think? How do you comp- It looks more gamer-ish. Yeah, it has that skull logo. Yeah, the front that lights up as well. I I think it's a really compelling package. It's a little bigger than the last one. Oh yeah, it's yeah. longer and thicker. Oh, but shorter. But shorter, yes. Oh, really interesting. Okay, yeah, I want to check this thing out. This is cool, for sure. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the skull stuff. Like, that's my favorite with the emoji. With the emoji, yeah. So I have to look at it for that reason alone. Yeah, let's check it out. Playdate sold 20,000 units in 20 minutes. Oh, I heard about this. Uh, have you seen it? Okay, hang on a sec. Who makes Playdate? Who makes this? Or is the whole company called Playdate? I believe it's the company. I believe this is new. No, it's definitely new, uh, but I remember it being talked about a long, by a company? long time ago, but it's got a, a, a kind of iconic design to it. So I was curious who designed it. It almost looks like teenage engineering. Kind of, yes. But it's like that old but new slash uh, Japan slash, I'm just going to keep slashing things. It's, it's very uh, utility, you know? It's all it's it's weird, but it's, also playful. Yeah, it's like it's a strange mix of emotions the way the thing is designed, uh-huh. because it has old school elements like the A B button and the the D pad, and it has a crank. But the layout of the screen and then part of your brain is telling you it's modern and new. Ooh, it's a little smaller when I see it in people's it, hands. Yeah. There, it's a little it's smaller small than I expected. I don't know if I can play on that thing. I think you might look at me sideways if I'm playing on that. If you come just in here. Just hunched over. If I'm just having a play date and you come in here. But it looks cool. Like, I like it as an object. Mm-hmm. Look at the way it fits in one hand here. And uh, it has uh, games built in. that are. Oh, thanks to our friends at Teenage Engineering. Playdate looks incredible. It's oh, colorful okay. and it fits in your pocket. Yeah, no right. wonder. I, I, I knew it had that aesthetic to it so that's crazy that means that this company playday teamed up with teenage engineering strictly for their design prowess and so did nothing mm-hmm. so now everyone's reaching out to teenage engineer and just be like i need a product and they're like yeah no problem i mean they're doing great work i guess they probably uh, take a few bucks from you too they're like you know <laughs> we're gonna need a few bucks yeah it's 180 dollars um and there's accessories as well. Oh, man, this thing is crazy. It's like the olden days of gadgets here. Uh-huh. And they sold 20,000 units, so obviously the internet is uh, is into it. As reported by TechCrunch, Panic said that its shipping estimator accurately confirmed 20,000 units of the handheld has sold in just under 20 minutes, so it's probably more now. Mm-hmm. When they went up for pre-order on July 29th, Orders after that point are still being accepted, but they are unlikely to reach customers until 2022 
people are just so into gaming right now all yeah. forms of gaming and this is surprising because it's handheld mm -hmm. i mean your phone you could just download an app and hey play man hey man that don't sound but like this a, is this is obviously different that don't sound like a play date to me <laughs> um no i hear you i hear you dude yeah yeah i, I think it there might be a resurgence for these kind of handheld devices this is like the gaming equivalent of vinyl records yes you just want to feel those old school uh-huh tactile yeah you know yeah 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 you want to crank you need a crank where's my crank <laughs> a crank all right last one last one japanese sandwiches give foreign reporters culture shock at tokyo olympics oh like in a culture shock in a good way in a good way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so they yeah. would they would uh get to encounter it's almost like those videos we like to watch, you know, when you would have uh, a Strictly Dumpling or, uh -huh. I mean, it's a whole category. And you would love to see all the uh, unusual snacks that you uh, wouldn't normally have access to mm -hmm. when traveling around the world. But I think with uh, Japanese sandwiches, they're really specific because, for one, they don't have a crust. Ever. Yeah. And... Two, they put fruit and cream in their sandwiches. Dessert sandwiches. As a dessert. I know. Yeah. I've seen this. I actually watched an episode of Strictly Dumpling. He's in a mall or a department store mm -hmm. that they say you, you have to visit. And he's getting one of those fruit sandwiches. Yes. And it's very common for you to go to hit up like a 7-Eleven and just pick up a sandwich there. Yeah, And they course. have a variety of, of types. So a lot of people um, that are not accustomed to this went to Olympics in Japan and is very pleasantly surprised by it. Look at that one. Peanut cream. You got to stay away from that one, Will. No, yeah. But I, it I does sound kind of good. But you know what, though? For this, they actually thought of putting like a little logo stamped on the... Uh, do you see it? Too soft. I mean, you can read it to me. It's far away. Well, well, no, the actual like uh, picture, uh, like a stamp of a peanut on the sandwich. Oh my God! Underneath the wrapper. Yeah. Oh, so that um, for allergies. Yes. Wow. Oh, so you love them even more now. Yeah. Because they're looking I, out I for you. I appreciate it. This little subtle peanut shape on the bread. They're looking out for you right now. Uh huh. They see you, Willie Dude. That's incredible. Okay, let's 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 dig into this just a bit here. The humble lunch pack becomes the talk of the press room. While traditional Japanese foods like sushi and tempura are uh, well known around the world, once you get here, you'll find there's a wide range of Western foods to tantalize your taste buds as well. A lot of them are a little different to what you'd find in Western countries, including sandwiches. Could be mm -hmm. fruit. And cream filled. So this is uh, this was their press room food choices: strawberry uh -huh. jam and margarine, or peanut cream sandwich. Now, is peanut cream just another way of saying peanut butter, but just using I the word so. cream, or is it like lighter and fluffier? I I wonder. That's a good question. We should go there and check out the Olympics. Well, apparently they food turned stands. out to be a hit amongst journalists. Breakfast of champions and quite tasty. Mm, you got me wanting a peanut cream sandwich, Will. Without the crust, too? You've and it's all prepared for you? It, the crust thing is funny because that's a thing that moms do for their kids. Like, cut yeah. the crust <laughs> off. 
And then I would have to go over to those kids and, you know, make fun of them or whatever because they can't handle the crust. And what they do with the sandwiches is that they, <laughs> they don't only um, cut off the crust, they stamp the, the edges so there's no leakage. Okay, that's uh, now you're starting to convince Look me. Look at that. <laughs> now you're starting to convince me because there's a util utility aspect to it because uh -huh. it's less messy. Mm -hmm. If they kind of turn it into a pocket. Yes. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, listen, what can I say? Japan never ceases to amaze. And uh, my visit there is long overdue. And now I can tell you for certain that when that visit happens, it will include a peanut cream sandwich. I'll get the strawberry one for you, Will. I'll All right. Bring it back or whatever. Deal. <laughs>